Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. All right, it's Bucks at Carolina without most of their stars on offense, okay? No Leonard Fournette, no Mike Evans, certainly no Chris Godwin. And no chance, right? No, they've got they've got some players left, and they've added a couple. One in particular, which I thought was interesting uh, this week, Steve, was Le'Veon Bell, which, let me just say, if they were forming a Pro Bowl team from, like, 2015 or so, this would be unbelievable. Like, these, these guys are, like, borderline Hall of Famers, right? When you got Gronk and uh, uh, Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell, they were teammates in Pittsburgh. Remember how great Bell was? He had, like, three years of over 1,200 yards in his five seasons in Pittsburgh. I mean, he was he was ripping it up. And then he sat out as a franchise player. They tried to franchise him. He sat out in 2018, which, I'm sorry, you never win when you do that. A, you lose a year of, of earnings. And B, you lose, you lose your swag. You know what I mean? Like, you don't play football for a year. Um, so he signed with the Jets after that, and he was never quite the same. He's been with a bunch of teams, I think three since 2020, including this year with the Baltimore Ravens, uh, where he had just maybe a handful of of carries uh, each game, had about 30 carries, averaged under three yards a carry, wasn't good, two touchdowns. And they cut him about six or seven weeks ago. And we had a chance to talk to Bell. And, you know, he was – done with football in his mind. I mean, he was like, that's that's it. And he started to train as a boxer, and he was trying to call out uh, Jake Paul, uh, the uh, you know the former actor, celebrity, whatever, that, that's been knocking everybody out, including a bunch of football players. And that was just like a couple days ago before he signed. Uh, and then his agent got a call from the Bucks, who then called him, and he was working out at the time. He didn't, didn't get the phone call at first, called back, and he goes, when I heard it was Tampa Bay and Tom Brady, again, Tom Brady, it was, it, I didn't even give it a second thought. It's like, heck yeah, this is the one, there is one team that I will come back and play and be excited about playing football for, and it's, it's the Buccaneers. And so here he is. Will we see playoff Le'Veon? <laughs> there you go. That's perfect. Playoff Le'Veon, yeah. Uh, you might. You absolutely might. I mean – I don't know how much you can pick up. You know, it's there's a lot of parallels from, a, and this is important from like a, you know, a language standpoint in the offense he remembers at Pittsburgh. But if you can make him functional enough to play on third down in this game, um, that's really his role because I think they saw enough of Keyshawn Vaughn. Like Tom Brady doesn't have a lot of tolerance, right, for guys who can't catch the ball or can't run routes or hang on to the ball. You know, they after Jones did his thing running it. They didn't trust Jones in pass protection, so they put in Keyshawn Vaughn. He drops a pass, and then the second one, he it, it, it was like one of the most embarrassing moments, right? He just his feet come out from under him, um, and he kind of falls down. So that's about all the follies that Tom Brady can handle, and I can imagine that he was in Bruce Arians or Jason Light's ear the next day, saying, "Hey, go get me somebody that can play, that can catch the ball." 
what's Le'Veon Bell doing? And these are all, you know, whether it's Fournette, Antonio Brown, Gronk was his teammate, obviously. Um, Le'Veon Bell, these are guys he played against in the AFC. You know, these, these, these are guys that Tom Brady remembers and quite a few years ago. But, you know, at, at 28, 29, whatever he is, I, I don't think he has much left. But can he do this? Can he pick up the blitz? Does he know who to block? Can he protect Tom, number one? And number two, can he be in the spot he's supposed to be when Tom wants to check it down to him? If he does those two things and those two things only, um, he'll have an impact, you know, on this football team. And they need him because they're not going to get Leonard Fournette back for at least the regular season. Uh, we think he might be ready by the postseason, but you don't know with hamstrings. And it's Ronald Jones is, you know, he's going to be their bell cow. But they don't like Ronald Jones on third down. So the key is if you're Ronald Jones, make enough yards on first and second down to where you don't get to third down so you can stay <laughs> on the field. I mean, really, it's like, hey, it's second and six. Oh, I better pick up six yards, you know. Uh, or make it third and one, and then maybe they'll leave you on there for that. But, uh, yeah, I, I I don't – again, I have no expectations of what Le'Veon Bell he, – he was a tremendous, tremendous player, you know, in the day, and he looks to be in shape. He says he's in – he says he's in better shape now than when he played football because, you know, boxing is about endurance, right? Like you have this – you know, you're in the ring for – what is it? Two – I don't know how long is it around? Three minutes, minutes, I think. Three minutes, Yeah with your hands and 16-ounce gloves, all that stuff. And so you're, it's, it's a constant grind. Well, in football, you know, people – I always thought this was funny about football. It's like he plays hard. Well, each snap lasts about three and a half to four seconds. So, you know, on average. So it's like you're asking a guy to go hard for four seconds. That That's all you got to do? And then and then you get, I don't know, 30 seconds in between to catch your breath, maybe maybe more, and then go hard for another four seconds? So he said that his endurance of, of boxing has has given him a lot of stability in his legs. He thinks he'll be able to cut better, have more confidence. And he said that uh, from an endurance standpoint, he says, I, I should be great all day. You know, like I should never get tired out here because I've been training so hard as far as boxing goes. So interesting uh, parallels there between boxing and, uh, you know, and, and, and football. So uh, they go to Carolina and – we don't know exactly, you know, who all their weapons will be. We're going to see Antonio Brown. I would absolutely think that Tom is going to target him right away and and very often. I don't know what kind of shape Brown is in. They say he's he's good. Uh, means his his injury is completely healed or as healed as it's going to be. Um, they say it was like he was at the beginning of the season. He had a lot of life. He should have a lot of life in his legs. I don't know about his foot, but he should have a lot of like life in his legs. Um, but he's, you know, when he's played for the Bucks before, and they're five and zero with him in the lineup, he was the number three option. You know, I mean, the teams were obviously going to roll coverage to Mike Evans, number one, Chris Godwin, number two, and Antonio almost always had man coverage, which he beat routinely, and that's why he had such success. You got to believe that the Carolina Panthers are going to go look out there, and and if Brashard Perriman's playing, or or Scotty Miller, or Cam Braid, or O.J. Howard. They're going to look across and go, okay, Brown's one. We're taking care of him. And then we'll move on from there. And so it's going to – not that Antonio Brown hasn't seen his share of, you know, double coverage in his career. He certainly has. But those down-the-field throws, you know, the ones where there might not be a safety over top of them, that ain't going to be available, okay? So they're going to have to find other ways to get Brown involved. And, and there's a lot of ways they can do that with him because he's a quick-twitch guy that they don't have. 
um, whether you're talking about you know the tunnel screens and all that sort of stuff. There's ways, and I expect them to to game plan um, to get him the ball. Gronk had 11 targets last week. He was terrible. It's the worst game I've seen him play since he's been here. Only had two catches. I think he'd probably drop, I don't know, three or four. One of them hit his hands, and he wasn't even aware the ball was there. Literally hit his hands on a deep shot. It was such a great throw. So I look for him to bounce back, but he'd be another one that I think that, that Brady um, will definitely target. And and the biggest thing is, what does Rojo do? You know, you talked about uh, playoff Levy, Le'Veon, but – Really, this is now Ronald Jones's time, right? This is him living the Leonard Fournette experience in reverse. You know, he was the guy that was going to go over a thousand yards to the end of the last season when he missed two of the last three games with COVID. Um, you know, and then when he got to Kansas City in the warmups, he pulled a quad, and so Fournette took over, and then that's that's how Fournette became playoff Lenny Lombardi Lenny. Well. Burnett is not around, and he's got three games at least, if not more, to prove that he is the guy. And, oh, by the way, uh, not for nothing, it's a free agent year for him. I mean, this is the thing. I mean, he's been over there seething that he can't play in a year where, you know, he has an opportunity to become a free agent and make as much money as, as he possibly could. And so maybe it's an audition for this team, maybe for another team. But he's got so much motivation to go out there uh, and I think he's run hard every time he's gotten the ball this year because those chances have been far and few between. He certainly did it the other night when he got in the game. He ripped off the 30-yard run. I think that, you know, they're different backs, right? I mean, you can't count on Jones to be a receiver, although he did – I think he caught one the other day. And I know he's worked at it, but you just, you know, you're just not going to leave him in there in passing downs. If you throw on first down and they're not blitzing or something like that, you might get away with it. But, you know, the biggest thing is he, he's a home run hitter. You know, I mean, that's that's who he is. You know, he, he goes up there and every time he touches the ball, there's there's a a chance that if he gets through the second level that he could be gone. And hopefully going up to Carolina will stir some memories of what he was a year ago, because that's the game that he ripped off that 98 yard run and had his greatest game, you know, as a pro. And, you know, th- those kinds of games don't come along very often. And so. You know, that that's his last experience starting against the Panthers. Now he gets them twice in three weeks. They're a better defense than they were a year ago. They they were awful, quite frankly. I, I talked to one of the coaches last year after the, the second time they played, and they said that, that defense is terrible. They're a little better this year. You know, they, they've they've improved a lot in, in year two, um, you know, under Matt, Matt Rule. So offensively is sort of where – I think the Panthers struggle. Well, you talked you about uh, you know all pro teams from 2015. You got Cam Newton back at quarterback for Carolina. <laughs> Cam Newton, there you go, the MVP. I mean, this is a, this is a 2015 reunion when you think about it. It's crazy. Um, yeah, and and Cam, unfortunately for him, now they have announced that they're going to go with the two quarterback system, or they're going to play him and Sam Darnold. I think. Uh, and the old adage, right? If you got two quarterbacks, you got none. But I think if you did it the right way in this instance, it may work because Cam can't throw the ball for crap. <laughs> and I think Darnold has a chance to. But you could still use Cam Newton, particularly in the red zone, particularly you know on those you know, what's what's given the Bucks trouble, uh, whether it's Taysom Hill or Josh Allen, you know those power runs with the quarterback because you put all the pressure on the linebackers. You, you know you really can't spy the guy. You don't. You never have a defensive player who's just 
you know, whose job is to just track the quarterback. Obviously, you've got outside linebackers and everybody's trying to get to the quarterback, um, but they're not following him around on running plays and you don't account for him. You know, there's a hat on a hat um, for everybody else. But if he runs the ball, you've got to beat, you got to whip somebody in front of you or a couple people to try to get to him. And I think Cam Newton still has the ability uh, and is a willing runner. He's a terrible passer. Um, and they really don't have, you know, an abundance of weapons on, on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, DJ Moore is their best player right now. No Christian McCaffrey. And DJ Moore is questionable for this game. So we really don't know what they're going to have. Um, you know, Chuba Hubbard has been just okay. Amir Abdullah. I mean, they got a couple running backs that kind of split time there. Um, but, you know, outside of outside of him, you know, Robbie Anderson doesn't scare you all that much. Um, they don't really have a tight end. I mean, Ian Thomas is just okay. So they've struggled to score points, and I don't think it'll take a lot of points. Um, but I do think that their defense is capable of causing problems and creating some turnovers. I mean, Brian Burns has been a problem ever since he's been in the league. Um, they've also got uh, this Yatur Gross Matos, who's got a lot of sacks. Uh, he comes in at defensive end and passing downs. Uh, also, their linebacker, Hassan Reddick, I think has eight or nine sacks. And they still in the back end, you know, he's questionable, but Stephon Gilmore is there now, certainly a ball hawk. Uh, Jeremy Chin is a good player as a safety. C.J. Henderson's decent at corner. So, you know, against a, a wounded Bucks team that is going to have to run out guys that haven't played. Now, you, you hope and expect that a week of practice that they'll get their timing down and things like that. But what I saw earlier in the week, was that they were doing pre- predominantly walk-through practices, and, and you don't get a lot of timing. Um, now, they'll ramp that up as the week goes on, uh, you know, and, and today will be more, you know, running than, than there has been earlier in the week. But, you know, I, they, they've got to get back in rhythm with guys like Cam Brait. I don't know if O.J. Howard is going to play more or not. He didn't the other day, so it's kind of hard to say, but uh, Scotty Miller has had – timing uh with you know with, with Brady before and the guy that we're not talking about that that I think that they're going to put a lot of this game plan on because they know that they're going to roll coverage towards Antonio Brown the guy who's going to stand up in my opinion we'll talk about this on Monday or Sunday night actually I think it's going to be Tyler Johnson I think Tyler Johnson's a better player uh than than people realize I think he you know the, he, he does, hasn't had a lot of opportunities he certainly hadn't been able to start many games um they did have some players out when Miller was hurt and, and they got banged up a little bit and Brown was out. He did get a chance to play some. Um, I think you're going to see him more in the slot at this, you know, this time. He, he can't – he's not the blocker, obviously, that Godwin is. Um, but playing inside with a two-way go, matchups with linebackers and safeties, I think he's going to win. Uh, it's just whether or not Brady trusts him. And, again, he's got to trust somebody because that's who he's got out there. But that's the guy that I would say on Monday we or Sunday night we may be talking about is Tyler Johnson if, if they do anything uh, throwing the ball. I would just line up and put it and run it, and I would run it until they couldn't until they stop me. And if it's a close game, it wouldn't bother me. I'm not going to get Brady hit. You know we we've seen guys drop, and the one thing they have intact, Steve, is their offensive line. Which, by the way, three guys made the Pro Bowl. That's Three. incredible. Isn't that unbelievable? Off their offensive line? 
I mean, it wouldn't have been the three that I would have picked, right? I mean, two of them I would have for sure. I mean, I think I think Tristan Wirfs deserves a gold jacket before his career is over, and he could have made it last year with giving up just one sack. Um, so Wirfs, I, I I felt was gonna was gonna make it. I I had hope for Ali Marpet. It's an unbelievable story that he's in the Pro Bowl out of Hobart College. I talked to his dad the other day. He, they they couldn't be more excited. Everything Ali has ever tried, he's been successful at. And he's been in the league for a while, and it's good to see a guy that has paid his dues and, and played for some crappy teams, both at center and guard, and now he gets a chance to uh, represent in the Pro Bowl. And then Ryan Jensen, which, uh, okay, I, I couldn't sit here and name, you know, two better centers in the NFC, maybe. Um, but that surprised me a little bit that Jensen made the Pro Bowl. What really surprised me was the guy that didn't, Donovan Smith. I I don't know where he ranks among left tackles, and there's a bunch of them in the NFC, Trent Williams and other guys. But he had his best year, and he's not gonna. He's not even an alternate. He's probably not gonna make it um, even as an alternate. But uh, I thought Smith did pretty well. But this this is all because of Tom Brady, right? I mean, you don't have the fewest sacks allowed in the NFL unless he's getting that ball out of his hand in under two point five seconds. Oh, a lot of it's Tom Brady, but uh, you know, but it's also they've done a good job. I mean, they have the Saints yeah. game notwithstanding, mm-hmm. where they struggled there, but. Yeah. Yeah, I mean I you know, I this is a reward, you know, I think some of this is a reward for the for last year and this year yes. combined. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's kind of the way we see the pro bowl a lot of times. It's a lot of players make it a year too late. That's right. Uh, you know, Tristan Wirfs a mm-hmm. perfect example of that. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, but three offensive linemen from one team making the pro bowl is just you don't Rare. see that very often. I mean, no, I'm sure it's, it's never... happened before, but mm-hmm. maybe one of the Cowboys lines from a decade ago. Yeah, when they had like every every you know every year they had a number one draft pick on the line, and then they were across the board there. But I want to go back to one thing on the opposite side of the ball, though. Yeah, and you mentioned the Cam Newton in the red zone and the options that gives Carolina and the pressure it puts on the linebackers. This is a Bucks team playing without Levante David. Yeah, and so I'm going to be real curious, you know, if the Panthers get down the red zone and when they do, how how the linebackers Devin White and everybody else, Kevin Minter, et cetera how they handle Cam Newton down there. Because, you know, one of your best linebackers is out. Well, it's a great question because uh, we've seen in the past that, you know, especially when McCaffrey was playing, but they could do this with their running backs now. um, When they take a running back out of the backfield and they split him out, I mean, they take Devin White with them. Very often he's in man coverage. Um, So Minter's going to have some big responsibilities in the run game. And that might include Newton, you know. And Minter, look, I think they're lucky to have a guy like Kevin Minter because normally when teams lose a veteran player, I mean, you know, the the longest tenured player on this team is Levante David. Usually when you lose that guy, you're going to a first or second year dude. You know, you're going to a rookie. And they have young linebackers that they could plug in there, but they don't have to. They've got a guy in Minter who who has been, you know, he's had his face in the fan, as they say. He's been in in those situations where he has stepped in for Levante, stepped in uh, for Devin White. Um, and, you know, and, and, and he's is, – is he going to make a ton of plays? Well, I've seen him make big plays. I've seen him bat passes down. I've seen him, you know, make key tackles and, and cause, you know, cause turnovers at times. But he, what he's not going to do is, you know, he's going to hold up. And what I mean by that is, like, he's not going to give up a big – you're not going to have a big mental error, a big ME, as they say. 
that's he's going to be assignment ready. He's going to be in where you know they got to they'll trust where he's supposed to be and he'll be there. And sometimes that's the best you can hope for, right? You can find other ways to do some things. But when Levante hasn't played before, all of a sudden Devin White sort of disappears. And what I mean by that is, you know, he has to – he can't just – you don't have that eraser. Like sometimes Devin White will just go, I'm shooting this gap. Right? He'll see something, he'll read it, and he'll just go. And if he's, and most of the time he's right. But if he's wrong, the big eraser for them is Levante David. You know, you don't. You might see that that three yard run that then becomes a six or seven yard run, but it doesn't become a seventeen or a twenty seven yard run. That's that's what I think the difference is here. Is that you don't have that guy with the kind of speed that that David and they sort of, you know, the ability to cover up uh, the exuberant mistakes, if you will, sometimes of Devin White, uh, which you want White to go like that. You want, you want his instincts. You want his speed, all that stuff. But and, – and, and, and you don't have that backup behind him or working alongside of him. So there's no question they're not going to be as good in the run game. If I were Carolina, I'm going to come out. I know, you know the Bucks have this reputation, you know, best against the run the last three years, all of that. Mm, not so much lately. You know, I know the quarterbacks have gotten some yards. Now, they, they absolutely stoned New Orleans, couldn't do anything. Alvin Kamara couldn't do anything, so they were great. If they play that way, it won't matter who carries the ball. But without without Levante David, I think it lessens the impact of a Devin White. And that's a that's a big piece of, of sort of what they do. That's going to be something to watch as well. What else we got? So we got the Pro Bowls. Oh, the snubs. You talked. I talked about Donovan Smith. I think somewhere on there he should have belonged. Obviously, uh, the other guy that made it was uh, Tom Brady, which we we knew a couple days ago, and Shaquille Barrett. And Shaquille Barrett now is in rare air uh, with this franchise because he's got nine sacks. He's one sack away from being only the fourth player in franchise history to have three seasons of at least double digit sacks of ten sacks or more. The others, well. Two of them are in the Hall of Fame, and one of them is worthy of it. Leroy Selman, Warren Sapp, and Simeon Rice. They're the other three guys in this franchise that have gone three seasons with double-digit sacks. And Shaq Barrett is one away from doing that. Shaq, you know, kind of set the bar a little high for himself, to say the least, when he led the league in sacks <laughs> with 19 and a half about two or three, year, three years ago. But to get a guy that consistently, and everybody is game-planning for him, they're, you know, they're, they're obviously they're double-teaming him, they're doing things, um, uh, for him to consistently spit out 10 sacks a year, that's worth the franchise money you're paying him. It is. You know, to know that you got an outside linebacker, and not just the not just the sacks, which is what you want, obviously. Uh, you want to get the quarterback on the ground. But look at his quarterback pressures. Look at his quarterback hits. You know, he affects the passer even when he isn't getting him on the ground. And again, the ultimate goal is is, is to get him down. But, you know, even though he's a marked guy out there, for a free agent that came to you, nobody wanted this guy uh, when he left Denver. I think he got one workout in Cincinnati, and I think they failed him on a physical. And he came here for $4 million, and now he's going to join the likes of Leroy Selman and Warren Sapp and Simeon Rice in, in, in Tampa Bay history. That's pretty good, man. That's pretty good for Shaq Barrett. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. All right, we have some leftover mailbag questions we'll get to in just a second. I just wanted to say, um, uh, you know, it was sad news the other day. We finally uh, got the uh, medical examiner's report on Vincent Jackson. Did not surprise us, anyone, uh, what that showed. Um, You know, about a week ago, we had a story. The family released information that, uh, you know, they had donated his brain for study uh, in Boston, and they found that uh, Vincent Jackson had stage 2 CTE, which... um, certainly is responsible, you know, for a lot of his behaviors, you would imagine. I mean, that there's all kinds of, of, of symptoms as a result of that brain disease, which can only be detected after death. And among them are uh, substance abuse, uh, suicidal tendencies, um, you know, uh, depression. Like, there's all kinds of, basically any emotion you could probably feel uh, is wrapped up, or, or drug and alcohol abuse is wrapped up in in uh, symptomatic of that brain disease, and you know it, it was just it was sad uh, to see that in fact what we believed happened happened. I mean, he had been separated from his wife. Obviously, he was going through a lot emotionally. He held he hid it from his business partners who I talked to at the time. Nobody knew that he was in distress. His family knew. They had been searching for him. That's why they filed a missing persons. They located him at the Homewood Suites out there off I-275 in Tampa and um, did a wellness check on him on a Friday. And I think by Sunday, the maid uh, went to his room and saw he was looked like he was sleeping, so she didn't enter. Then on Monday, they did go in, and they found him uh, deceased. And, you know, because he struggled with alcoholism, um, there was liquor found in the room. And essentially, you know, the it, it was death by by chronic alcohol uh, use. He drank himself to death. And you know, I think the the blood alcohol content was somewhere around. It ranged from like point three two to point two eight or something like that, which is four almost four times over what the state of Florida would consider you impaired. So, just just a horrible collection of facts that we knew, and it's not as important about how he died. Everybody should and, and hopefully will continue to remember Vincent Jackson for the kind of man he was and all the things he did, the charitable endeavors, um, a tremendous football player, a great family person. He helped a lot of families of milita- military families in particular, which he was, both his parents uh, were uh, in the military. Um, but, I, Steve, I continue to c- cover a sport where I still don't think enough is talked about Maybe not. I don't know what else can be done, right? But not enough is talked about uh, these head injuries and these players that are out there struggling. And there's, as of yet, there's not a test for CTE that is not post mortem. Um, that's and, that's the part that's that makes it difficult. Is that yes? I mean, yes. we know about concussions, mm-hmm. and and you know, there's some studies going on there and how to lessen them. But I don't believe Vincent Jackson had a concussion in his career. Not me. I don't. I don't know that he had. I can remember yeah. him Although getting some, knocked some out of games. We may not know. I mean, right. I can remember some hits that he took. That most, you know, it was a little different time. Yep. 
they didn't have the independent spotter upstairs yeah, that would true. see a guy in distress. Um, he got hit often, you know, in the head, and and you would imagine playing football from the time you're, you know, eight, ten mm-hmm. years old, and twelve seasons in the NFL, whatever he played, um, that you took a lot of hits. But there's no test yeah. for CTE. Yeah, not until not until you said post mortem, and that's what yeah. makes it difficult. Is that you know, there's nothing you can do currently, right? While someone's alive to test. Now, I mean, at this point, you almost assume if you've made it to the NFL and played football that long, you probably do have some part of CTE. Yeah, and that's um, that's almost what we have to do now is assume that what stages and how bad and, and this, this is what we don't know yet, and that makes it it's. You know, as you said, I don't know what else we can do. That's what makes it tough is how do you how do you do something for something you can't detect outside of maybe some behavioral issues? Right. Uh, and it, it's just we need to talk more about it, and there needs to be more research and funding to develop a test to show what damage is being done um, so that, you know, hopefully, I don't know if they can reverse the damage, but at least – um, warn players at certain parts of their career if if they're you know if it's progressing too fast or you know I don't know what you know what ultimately science will say about that but man there, I think there's a lot more players out there struggling with this than we realize and um, you know a lot of it is just attributed to well the guy's you know a drug addict or he's a you know he's an alcoholic or he's got this problem or that problem but. You know, sometimes these are the symptoms of a larger problem, which is CTE. So, anyway, that was sad. All right, we got your mailbag questions. Let's uh, go ahead and hit those real quick. All right, we'll start with Alfred from Australia, who had emailed us. He said, if Tom Brady can lead the Bucks to another Super Bowl win this season without his three best receivers in the playoffs, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Leonard Fournette, would this be TB12's greatest Super Bowl win? If he can do it without those guys, you could argue that it might be, although he is he, I'd have to go back and look at all the rosters he played for in New England. They didn't have an abundance of talents when he won Super Bowl there, especially at the receiver position. That's the whole been the whole Tom Brady career thing, right? Um, I still think that what he did last year is going to end up being his greatest accomplishment, simply because you know it was shocking that he left New England to begin with after 20 years. But I don't think enough. It, it, it helped him and it hurt him, right? But it was during a pandemic when he really couldn't get with with coaches. Uh, they didn't have a a very long training camp. They didn't have any off season that wasn't virtual. He got with a bunch of guys over at Berkeley Prep. Um, you know, started seven and five. The offense wasn't a fit. He had to get to know all his new teammates. He had to uh, you know get with BA and, and Byron Leftwich and, and adapt this offense to what he needed which we finally see this year. And then to go on the run they did to win eight in a row, you know, uh, and go on the road, which I, I think COVID helped them in that instance is that there wasn't as many fans. I don't think you go on the road and win three games, you know, this year. But it was just surreal, right, like that a guy at 43 would come to a new team and it was that whole, oh, who's better, Brady or Belichick, or Brady or Belichick, Belichick or Brady. And Tom did it right out of the chute. And I think if you talk to Bruce Arians, like, he has said that, you know, he thought that this would be the season, not the first season, but probably this season would be the season that they'd have their best chance because Brady would be more, in, you know, involved and uh, in, in kind of integrated with the offense and his teammates and whatnot. Of course, this season has been full of injuries, and the record was good up until their loss to New Orleans. It was actually better 
and I thought they were playing well. We'll see. But now that we know that if you were to go without Fournette, Godwin is gone, which is a huge loss for him. Um, and if they have some more time uh, without Mike Evans and they go on this run, yeah, that might top last year because I think they're going to have to go and win at least one or two games on the road in full stadiums, including almost certainly Green Bay. I don't see anybody beating the Packers. Probably not going to be a balmy 34-degree day up there without snow. So, yes, if he does it this year, including going to L.A., it's not a home Super Bowl, it's not a Raymond James, and winning it there, that would top last year, I think. All right, Les had tweeted us. He says, can the Bucks make the Super Bowl as a number four seed? Seems like they would need at least two home games to make a deep run, as this team seems to be getting worse instead of better like last year due to injuries. I wouldn't want to do it, I wouldn't want to do it without at least one home game, you know, Um I think you need that. Well, here's one thing. Get... Here's one thing with the new playoff seeding: the number four seed can host two playoff games if you get some help. Because number two does not have a bye, so right. if two and three both lose in week yes. one, then then the number four seed could get a second home game before facing the number one seed. Gotcha, gotcha. You'd need some help. Um, it is possible. I. I think every slot is precious. That that you know cuz I don't think you can count on the the teams above you losing. I don't think that's mm-hmm. ever good. I mean if it happens great, you know, and and frankly I think I have to go back and check this, but I think the Bucks may have benefited from that a little bit. I can't really remember. Uh maybe the Giants were going to come in. I know that San Francisco and the Giants played each other. The Giants were a better team. San Francisco had this crazy comeback and then the 49ers had to come here. I believe the Giants would have come here. Maybe it was just the matchups. But, yeah, every home game in the postseason, oh, it's huge. I mean, I, I don't know what the records are this year as far as home and away games go. There's probably been a lot, of, probably a lot more even than we realize. But in the postseason, playing at home, uh, sleeping in your bed, all that stuff, right? Uh, officials are affected by the crowd. I, I've always believed that. I, I just think it's much communication is is harder. It's it's a big advantage, you know. It's it's just it just is. And so the more games you can get, um, yeah, they could get some help. And look, they could still get the number one seed. They're going to need Green Bay though to lose two. I don't see that happening. I think they. I think it's realistic to think they could surge to two. If they went out again. Everything starts with if you went out. Dallas and the Cow- Dallas and Carolina or uh, the Cardinals have to play each other. So one of them loses that game. Whoever wins that game, if they lose another game, okay, say they lose another game. Whoever beats the whoever the winner of the Dallas Cardinals game loses another game, then presumably you could still you could move up to number two. And like I said, if if you're just saying they're going to play two home games and have to go on the road in Green Bay, probably won't be as nice a day. Definitely Lambeau will feel different. But I think whoever goes into Green Bay this year, the pressure is on the Packers. Make no mistake. This is their third. This would be their third straight NFC Championship game, the second straight in, 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 uh, in Lambeau. And you don't think that the expectation is we better go because we don't know if Aaron Rodgers is going to stick around much longer. And, and this, is, this is our best chance, our best final chance with him, who at that point might be the MVP of the league again. So that's, that's a lot. You know, playing at home sometimes can be can be difficult too. In the, when there's expectations like that, they can eat you alive. Ask Philadelphia. I went up there in 2002, 
Nobody thought they weren't going to win. Nobody, except the people on the Tampa Bay sideline. And and that was a lot of pressure for them. And when they got behind, they didn't know what to do. You know, they they did not expect and the game started and the Bucks were terrible. You know, they get a kickoff return to like the Bucks twenty five yard line, two plays later, they're in the end zone. And you're like, here we go. Every every season goes to die in Philadelphia. Place was going bananas. Didn't end up that way because Ronnie Barber went nuts and made every play the rest of the day. So um, there can be pressure on the home team too. But more than one home game, yeah, you got to go. Let's say, for example, uh, if them in L.A. somehow find themselves tied and, you know, it's, you know, you you could end up having to go play the Rams again because the Rams beat you head-to-head. And that may cost you a home game. So you wouldn't want to have to do that. But we'll see, man. It's just a lot of football. A lot of things can happen. I mean, who would have thought that, with you know, we were sitting here and the Bucks were cruising and here come the Saints, you know, that haven't played very well and the Bucks can wrap up the NFC South and they'd only have three fairly, you know, easy games the rest of the way and they'd be certainly holding down the number two seed, maybe the number one if Green Bay slipped up. And all of a sudden, now you'll make the playoffs, but who the hell is going to be left to play? You know, and and we can see now we see how fast everything changes week to week. Guess what? That could happen in Green Bay, too. That could happen in Dallas, too. You know, uh, Aaron Rodgers is playing with a bad foot. Dak Prescott, you know, had that injury a year ago. I mean, you just don't know every time you play a football game. um, It's difficult. So we'll see. All right. Rooting for UF had a two part question. So what are the odds my son and I get to go to our first lightning game on December 28th? And secondly, was Tom Brady's lack of weapons Tom Brady's fault? It seems he's so reluctant to work with players outside his circle of trust that no one else is allowed to get reps. Well, I've talked about this, so I won't, I won't make that more ad nauseum. The second one first is that I think it was a mistake um, not trying to manage the workload of some of these other guys and trying to incorporate and use the whole roster. I know you're trying to win the game in front of you on Sunday, and you, you can have that myopic view, and that's what Brady does. Brady just wants to win each game, and – and that's how he has approached his job, and and frankly, that's the way they do it in football more more often. It's not it's not like the Rays. You know, we're going to use a forty man roster. I mean, the best players are starters for a reason. The starters start. The other guys come in when needed. Next man up, right? Not you and him up. So, but but because he had had chemistry with Scotty Miller and Cam Braid and OJ Howard and all these guys the first year, I don't know why you wouldn't want to at least keep them active keep them involved keep them a part of this thing so that if and when and now is the when that it occurred that those other guys got hurt you weren't starting from ground from ground zero i mean i i I do think that there was a reason those guys look so bad the other day is because they haven't had any reps they haven't played you know and when you and furthermore they haven't practiced you know because because the starters you know when you put in the game plan it's the starters running the running the practice so you know, I put some of that on the coaches, but I, I don't know what else to say. What was the first part? What was the first question? The the lightning? Will they be able to see the lightning game on December twenty eighth? I don't know. I want to know that too. Are we going to be able to or not? Well, I don't know anything. The NHL is paused through December twenty sixth. The game on the twenty eighth is a home game for the Lightning against the Canadians. Prior to the pause that the that the NHL is in for this week, they stopped cross border travel. And the reason for that is if a team from Montreal comes to the United States and a player gets COVID, they can't get back across the border. 
and vice versa. If a U.S. team's in Canada, a player then tests positive for, for COVID in Canada, they can't get across the border either. And so the NHL had stopped cross-border travel temporarily in that instance. Will we see that resume once the NHL picks up on Monday? I don't know. My guess is it probably will resume for a little bit, but I don't know that. For, I don't. I don't have any inside info on that. Just speculating that that game against Montreal is is iffy at this point. I would say um, the games uh, Thursday and in, in Sunrise against the Panthers, and then Friday's a home game on New Year's Eve against the Rangers. Those are U.S. teams. I think they're more likely to be played, but. Um, I, I will probably know something later this weekend uh, because Montreal presumably would have to travel to Tampa on Monday. Uh, and there's games resuming Monday in the NHL at this point, so teams would travel on Sunday. Or maybe the NHL lets them travel morning of Monday, but I, I think the cross-border games may get postponed. But that's just a guess on my part. Yeah, it sounds about right, though, um, just with what's going on. And, and like I said, the trouble with the NHL – different from others other leagues is that you're dealing with two countries and you can't change uh you know national law necessarily just to accommodate a sports uh, a sports league so um but i hope they get to, i hope they get chances it's, it's sad the olympics are not going to be a factor anymore for the nhl it's bad for stamkos all of that we can get into that another time so hoping to see the lightning uh sooner than later for sure we'll end on this one for this week paul had tweeted us you mentioned before that Rick knows and has interviewed Frank Caliendo. Has Rick considered asking Frank to develop a Tom Jones impression and then coming on the show sometime in 2022 as Tom? <laughs> wow. The, I don't know if these people are just begging for Tom Jones. Now you want Frank Caliendo to pretend to be Tom Jones, right? Just to get Tom Jones on. I mean, we can do better than we can bring in a real Tom Jones if we have to. I mean, if that's what you're asking here. But no, I don't know that Frank would spend an abundance of. First of all, I'd have to send him Tom Jones's voice, unless he were going to do, you know, what's new, pussycat? Whoa, whoa, like that, Tom Jones. But uh, yeah, I'm good friends. I'm not that good of friends. Okay, when I say good friends, I mean, and I mean, I have texted with each other. That's about the extent of my good friends. I watch him on television. Um, no, but I, I've chatted with Frank quite a bit. Of course, we he used to come in studio about once a year, and so he knows Tom too. He remembers us and. Uh, I don't know if I could get him to do. Who does Tom Jones sound like? I don't even well, know. He's spring loaded a, for criticism. I know that. Well, what we could it, do the negativity like? part. Yeah, we well, we could do the negativity part, but I don't know if we could do the actual voice. Uh, I don't know. Has he got a little bit of uh, Patrick Mahomes? Is Tom Jones got? How's it going? I I I, I have never really thought about doing a Tom Jones. Like I don't know what that would sound like. Maybe but. you need to work on that one. Maybe I should do Tom Jones, yeah, and then I can interview myself. I've thought about that. One day before this podcast is over, I'm going to do a show. It's going to be like, well, who is it, the late Phil Hendry? Is that who used yeah. to do all the voices? Yeah. I don't think he's late, himself? I think he's still alive. Oh, is he still around? Yeah. Is his show still around? Maybe his show's late. I think late, he does some like podcast mine. stuff and, and that stuff. But yeah. <laughs> okay. I could do that. I can be. I can do anyone from uh, – I can be uh, Byron Kaufman on. I'll have uh, – Gruden, of course. Gruden, of course. If he, if he, Gruden will make his comeback on this podcast um, if he ever shows up again. Lovey uh, Smith. Uh, oh yeah, we can we can worry about Lovey. We can do we can do Jason Light. Um, yeah, there's a, there's a lot there's a lot of them. We we could have a heck of a pod that day. <laughs> It'll be my last show for sure if they decide to broadcast it. 
Uh, but that would be fun. Uh, great questions, though. Thanks. And you don't have to wait for a mailbag. You know how to do it. Send it to us on Twitter all the time, at SportsDayTB, at NFL Stroud, or my email address, rstroud at tampabay.com. All right, enjoy the games this weekend, and uh, Merry Christmas to everybody out there. We appreciate all our listeners. Uh, one of those questions was from, what, Australia, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we got people all over the world, uh, I think 16, 17 different countries we counted one time, and this uh, podcast has grown because of you, and uh, we appreciate each and every one of you that, uh, that do listen and tune in five days a week. It's a lot to invest, and we uh, appreciate that, and want you to have a safe and, uh, and a happy new year. We'll see you. Uh, after the Christmas holiday. So be careful out there. Enjoy it. And we will talk to you on Monday morning. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 